Good morning, new community. Happy Father's Day. Happy Sunday. I hope everyone has had a great weekend. We are glad that you are here joining us for our Sunday morning podcast. Uh, As we start today, I wanted to introduce John and Tara as they have prepared a really wonderful time of worship through music. Um, They're going to contribute a song this morning that is written by the Porter's Gate. And I just hope you can sit back and listen and reflect on the song. Have a great Father's Day and hopefully we will see you soon. community, join us for a call to worship. See what love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. You are my sons and daughters. This day I have begotten you. See what love the Father has given us. As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. See what love the Father has given us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. First John 3, 1-3 See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, 
We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. A tribute to our fathers, a poem titled, Strength of a Mountain. God took the strength of a mountain, a majesty of a tree, the warmth of a summer sun, the calm of a quiet sea, the generous soul of nature, the comfort comforting arm of night, the wisdom of the ages, the power of the eagle's flight, the joy of a morning in spring, the faith of a mustard seed, the patience of eternity, the depth of a family need. Then God combined these qualities where there was nothing more to add. He knew his masterpiece was complete, and so he called it Dad. Join us for this prayer for Father's Day. God, we come together on this Father's Day, reminded not only of our earthly fathers, but of you. You call us your children, and you invite us to address you simply as Abba. For the strength of your love, we praise you. We praise you because in spite of our weakness and disobedience, you view us not as failures, but as children. We are honored that you want us to see you, not as some remote deity or a jealous God, but as a father watching over us with infinite tenderness. For the courage of your love, we praise you. Father, teach us to recognize that you love us as deeply and dependably as a devoted father. Remind us that we matter to you, that you delight to bless us, that we need only to ask and you are present. For the wonder of your love, we praise you. Teach us that however far we stray or however much we reject your love or guidance, still you reach out, pursue and draw us close. You are our father. Teach us to be your children. For the wisdom of your love, we praise you. In the name of the God, our Father, amen. This is Luca, happy Father's Day. That was Luca from our community wishing you a happy Father's Day. He is almost five. And throughout the week, we asked a number of people in regards to Father's Day a specific question. We wanted to hear their take and um, some memories or thoughts that they had from their own fathers. So the question was this, what is one trait, life lesson, impactful illustration or virtue that your father instilled in you or passed on to you throughout life? One virtue of my father was his ability to relate to people in a very consistent way. Whether he was talking to a VIP or a homeless person, he always offered the same measure of respect to both. Another virtue he displayed was an enormous amount of optimism. No matter how bad things got, he always found something to be grateful for. Daddy, I really, really love you. And in fact, you really, really helped me with my confidence by helping me get over my stage fright. Thank you so much, Dad. I love you. Hi, this is Sarah Marr. Throughout my life, my dad placed a high value on being there with loved ones. Even as he worked full-time and, and thrived in his career, he attended every one of my basketball games, 
coached my soccer teams, came to band performances, and was home every afternoon to make dinner for our family. He was someone who brought people together. He made a point of maintaining his friendships even as a busy dad and enjoyed fishing trips and motorcycle rides with his buddies. My dad really instilled the importance of quality time and how that's something you can't get back with the people you care about. My dad has taught me to never give up and keep on trying if I mess up. My dad has taught me how to be a strong person who loves their family more than anything else. My dad taught me how to be brave by helping me get over my fear of dogs. Hi Newcom, this is Susan Edwards. I've been attending Newcom for about five or six years. But I want to share two short stories of things that I've learned from my father. One is way back when I was a teenager. And um, I probably didn't appreciate at, at that time um, all of the things that, you know, a parent's trying to teach you as a teenager. But I remember this one instance where um, a girlfriend of mine wanted to go water skiing. We had a boat. My dad loved to water ski, loved to teach people to water ski. And so on this Saturday, we got up. He was said he would take us out. Um, but as they were getting ready to go, the um, boat trailer lights were not working. So my dad had to stop and fix them, take some time to adjust them. And it took several minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and my girlfriend and I were just talking back and forth. And she said to me as the time was going on, she goes, I cannot believe your father. Mine would be cussing up a storm right now. He would be so mad and frustrated. And I had, uh, my father, I've seen over and over again, take on tasks and be very slow to anger and be very patient. I didn't appreciate that as a teenager as much, but in that instance, I remember being very, very grateful that my father was slow to anger and patient and exemplified and lived that out. The other instance is a more recent example. My father has been a very generous man his whole life with his time, with his talents, with his money. And in fact, he and my mother um, in their retirement of over 20 years has spent the majority of that doing voluntary mission work all over the world, but primarily in Honduras. And this last winter, I was able to go on a trip with him, a medical trip. And there was a instance where uh, we were doing this medical clinic and we came across this family that had a child who had type one diabetes, not very common and, and certainly something life altering for that family and very costly. They could not afford his medications. So here this child was going without these life-saving medications. I knew that um, my father had connections to resources, financial um, and otherwise. And I remember being across this room and just really just standing up and bolting. And I said, dad, here's the situation. Help us, what can we do? And of course he was more than willing to help and connected the family to a local church and then to financial resources to where we could take care of this need. And I was reflecting about that later that night in my devotions and it was such an example of me of what I'd seen my father do many, many times, which was run to his heavenly father with requests, with needs in just an open, honest, childlike way. And in that moment, even though I'm not a child anymore, I'm 58, my father's 84, I ran to him as if I was running to my heavenly father um, with a need. Hey dad, I, I know you can meet this need. And that's just such an example of what my father has taught me over my life, that I can go to God as a grown woman with my needs, 
and God is happy, happy to be there for me, as my own father I know would be happy and is happy when I come to him. Anyway, these are just a couple short stories. I absolutely love my father. Um, he's a great man and blessed that I am his daughter. Happy Father's Day to Bob Shea. I think the trait that I most appreciate that my dad passed on to me is um, a passion for and just an aptitude for music. Um, I have been singing my whole life. So is my dad. So is my mom, actually. Um, and, and music has always been a huge part of my life. Um, you know, from my dad teaching all of us kids table prayers, we'd sing a particular pitch and we'd know exactly what we were going to sing. And to this day at family gatherings, we all gather in a circle and hold hands and my dad hums and we sing because we know exactly what he's wanting us to sing. Um, and and that's something that I, I think I took for granted as a kid. I It just was so normal, it was an everyday occurrence, but, but now I realize how precious that is, that um, music has really united my family my whole life. Um, and, and that's such a special thing to share. Um, there's so much music that that I've listened to since I was a child that that just feels like home to me more than most other things in the world. Um, music can bring me back to friendships, um, to moments in my life that were important. Um, and, and I so appreciate that. And I think without my dad's influence, um, without the passion that he has for it, um, I don't think, I don't think it would be as large a part of me um, and as large a part of my life as it is. Um, and I'll, I'll always be really grateful for that. My dad taught me to talk respectfully to everyone and I appreciate that because if I'm older and I talk mean to other people, um, it's not a good thing. My dad's name is Herminio Simonte Illustre, and something that he's taught me, whether he knows it or not, is to be grateful. I mean, truly, truly grateful. Um, he shares stories about being poor in the Philippines and uh, living in a 20 by 20 shack with his, his family members, total of five, and here is where they ate, slept, and my grandma cooked. There was a hole in the wall as a window that was um, covered by a bamboo mat and held open by a stick when they wanted the air in. And um, they would fight over food because there wasn't a lot. They ate a lot of rice with like little pieces of meat. And, um, and I just think, wow, I'm just so grateful for all that I have. I'm grateful for the sacrifices my parents made to come to the United States and raise a family. I'm grateful to be American. I'm grateful for the roof over my head and the space that my kids have to run. And um, anytime I face a problem, I think about what could have been and what is, and I just think I'm so grateful for this life. And so um, that is what my dad has taught me and I'm so thankful to him for that. So thanks, Dad. I was always proud of my dad because he was a man of integrity, honor, and honesty. 
Telling the truth, honoring others, and being a person who follows through was modeled by my dad throughout his life. He was lovable, cheerful, and always ready to have fun. I was so blessed that he lived until he was 95 years old. When Julie asked me to share a trait or life lesson or virtue that my father instilled in me, um, so many thoughts came to mind. It's so hard to choose just one to share as I pretty much lucked out in the parent department big time. Um, my dad got to play multiple roles in my life as high school English teacher, track and cross country coach, and supportive, loving, and hardworking dad. Each role displayed different aspects of him that instilled light lessons and virtues in me. While I could probably name dozens of virtues I gleaned from my dad, one particular one that has impacted me as an individual as well as a parent is the importance of scripture and memorizing it in my life. Most evenings after dinner as a family, he would read a chapter from the Bible. Lots of times it was Proverbs or the book of James. I'm sure with five girls, it at times was frustrating and seemed completely pointless. I ended up on the couch more times than I can count for making faces to get my giggles from my sisters. However, his persistence and lessons weren't lost on me. His desire for each of us to know Christ personally and hide God's word in my heart became our desire, and thankfully it occurred each in our own time and way. James 1 and countless other verses have been cemented into my brain and have emerged in times of encouragement, temptation, and when guidance was needed. His illustration has impacted how I raise my kids and show Christ to them. Showing them how to know God and learn from his word, I truly pray that I can pass on that which he has showed me. Hi, this is Kiernan Knight. I was asked to give the perspective of a 19-year-old uh, for Father's Day. Um, I just wanted to talk about my dad. Uh, if you know him, Travis, uh, he is one of those people that he just radiates uh, wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and one thing that he's always taught me that has been super beneficial, especially going into my first two years at Gonzaga, is that there's always a way out. There's always a better way to do it. There's always um, a more logical approach. Um, no matter what life throws at you, there's always some way to get through it. Um, so whether that is trying to have just a better attitude about it, whether it is just realizing and accepting that it's only a temporary setback. Um, my dad has always been my role model in that sense. And to this day, he's always someone I can turn to when I need advice, especially about life and college and trying to deal with stress. So happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. You've always been my hero and always will be. One of the things I remember my dad used to tell me growing up was you always return things better than the way that you borrowed them. And I think when I was a kid, what that meant was extra cleaning of things that we borrowed, making sure if we borrowed something from someone and it was dirty, we returned it cleaner than we had gotten it. Um, if something was, there was a piece that was broken, then you replace the piece, even if you didn't break it. And I always thought that that was frustrating because it always seemed like we were taking better care of things than maybe other people were. Uh, and it just gave me a lot more chores and extra stuff to do. As I've gotten older, 
I realized that that little bit of wisdom really isn't about the objects that we borrow or things like that. It's a way of seeing the world, which is, uh, for my father, who is a Midwestern man, who is slow to talk about his feelings, uh, the idea that you return things better than you borrowed them is really just another way of saying you add to the world with who you are. You make it better. And I realized that whether it's a lawnmower or a relationship, that we are asked to take care of things and not only to take care of them, but to help them to thrive, right? That's the thing, to return something better than it was borrowed is a way of talking about how do you help something thrive, to help something be um, better off because it was with you for a period of time. And so this little simple piece of wisdom that my father gave me has continued to inflect my thoughts about how I want to raise my own children, about how I think about my colleagues at work, how I think about being a husband. In all of these ways, what I'm attempting to do is contribute to that person or to that relationship thriving, that hopefully it is better than when I first encountered it, that I am adding to the richness of someone's life and experience. My dad would have never talked in terms like that. But as I get older, I realize that his simple encouragement to take care of others well extended beyond the physical objects that we borrow and was really about the ways in which we love each other and care for each other's well-being. I feel incredibly lucky to have the father I do and it's always a pleasure to think about and talk about the things that he helped me learn as a as a person. So uh, yeah, happy Father's Day. My dad um every single night as far back as I can remember and still uh, even now has said before bed um, that I can do anything I put my mind to. And I know that is so simple, but it is so sweet and I've just, I've cherished it so much my whole life. Uh, I really think that hearing that positive affirmation so many times from someone that you love and respect and look up to, uh, you really begin to believe it. and. This is something that I have now taken as a parent. And I tell my own children, um, you know, that they can do anything they put their mind to before they go to bed. And I really think that it has contributed um, to becoming such a confident uh, adult. One thing that makes my dad awesome is how much he loves adventure. He's always finding a way to go biking on the bluff in the early morning, go hike up a mountain and ski back down it, go on a run with the dog, and more. I think that I've inherited a sense of adventure along with my siblings because we go on lots of hikes together and bike on the South Hill. Mountain biking is another thing my dad, my brother, and I do together. Sometimes a hill might seem too big or a jump is too high. My dad just goes for it. Having such a great dad who is fearless and adventurous is the best gift I could ever get. My dad has always been really considerate 
uh, which is something that I admire and try to um, emulate when I am out and about. Um, but he's been really good about being aware of the people around him and being kind and serving others um, in the family and when out and about. Hi, this is AVK Johnson, and a tradition that my dad has shared is he sings a bunch of fun and creative songs. Like one time, he we went to pajamas at the park, and he made up a song about that. And they're really special songs, and they're really fun. And I love you, Dad. You're the best daddy in the whole wide world. New community. What you just listened to was a smattering of people's responses from within our community about the impactful impressions that their father or someone who served as a father figure had upon them. I likewise have had many impactful moments and life lessons passed on from my father. I am incredibly, incredibly fortunate to have the father I have. And uh, he has sought to pass on to his children, both myself and my sister, a legacy of loving God and living for Christ. Now, I could share numerous moments, illustrations, examples of things that my father has passed on to me, but the one that came to my mind when I reflected on the question that we pose to people in our community it might seem a little odd. Perhaps it came to my mind due to the fact that uh, we have not been able to be in a gathered space as a community for some time. And maybe due to the fact of that reality and the desire to want to engage in communal worship, it brought this particular illustration to my mind. But uh, for whatever reason, I'll share it with you. When I was growing up uh, and it was time to sing in church, uh, I just remember the worship leader would kind of beckon us to our feet and uh, they would begin a song or a hymn or some chorus that we would all collectively sing. And uh, as a little kid, or even in junior high, as I'm standing there between my mother and father or near them, uh, I remember my mom would stand there kind of sweetly and softly, and she would sing in this soft-spoken manner. And uh, the words that would come out would be very thoughtful and from just an incredibly sweet spirit. My father could probably be best described as occupying the other end of the spectrum. So whatever you think is like the opposite of soft-spoken and sweet and thoughtful was my dad. So my dad, words that you could probably use to describe what was happening when he was singing was uh, maybe words like gusto or zeal or fervor. Um, another word that maybe comes to mind is just the word exertion. Uh, so my dad was uh, not only a professor, but he, growing up and through college, was an athlete and a coach. And I think, maybe I just assume that he thought that working up a sweat while worshiping was just simply another form of fitness. And so he would sing with absolute and complete conviction. Mind you, slightly off key, but he would do this at the top of his lungs. So whenever the song would start, my dad would chime in and everybody in the whole church knew if my dad was singing, or they knew that he either must be absent from that particular service or 
serving in some other part of the building because they couldn't hear him. Now, to be honest, when I was in elementary school, middle school, I probably hated that. Um, Because if there was a visitor, as soon as the visitor started hearing singing, they would look our direction. But at the same time, as I got older, I kind of secretly loved it. And the reason I would say that is because it represented this incredibly deep love of God and a conviction that my father had to give all of himself in praise. I think he truly embodied the phrase that we often say, which is to make a joyful noise. He did that to the fullest that he could. And it got me thinking about this question. It got me thinking about the truth that we are recipients of actions that are both caught and taught. See, my dad never sat me down and explained how to worship in song. He never told me what it, uh, what it meant to him. He just actually simply lived it. And he probably prayed along the way that I would develop that same passion and love for God and that same heart to praise him. Again, it wasn't taught. It was just something that was caught. And this reminds me of an interesting set of verses in the Old Testament. There's this uh, part of this grand narrative uh, where we look in on the story of Moses. And Moses is leading his people, and we know that he leads them to the edge of the promised land. And then he passes off the baton to Joshua. And Joshua, in the book named after him, starts by recalling his commission, so to speak, from God. The commission goes along the lines of uh, be of good courage, uh, something about following Jesus or following God. And then Jesus says that in the midst of that, that he will always be with him. And so Joshua fills the huge shoes of Moses and leads the people into the promised land. And the people of Israel live a life of following God is what the text says. And then at the end of Joshua's life, he calls together all the elders of the land and all the people of Israel, and he gives them this passionate speech. And he says to them in words different than this, but basically carrying this significance, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he kind of concludes his rallying cry by saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So as for me, as for my kids, as for my family, as for my, the generations of people I'm with, we will serve the Lord. And I want to point out something in the text. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to go grab it. Um, or if you have a phone nearby or some other device that you call up the verses on, that would be fantastic. Uh, I'll wait for a moment, give you a chance to grab your Bible, and uh, when you get it, turn to Joshua 24. All right, hopefully you have had a chance to grab your Bible. Turn to Joshua chapter 24. The text says this in verses 29 to 31. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath-serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua 
and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Now, that is an amazing last sentence. It's also an incredible way to end your leadership and your role as a servant of the people of God. So Joshua ends his life. He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And the text says that he passes away and that Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So they're serving the Lord with great passion. And then we move forward a little bit in the story. And so what I want you to do is take your Bible, turn one page, maybe turn a second page depending on the size of your Bible until you get to Judges chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 10. Now this passage might sound familiar to you because the author that is kind of piecing together the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges is purposefully intent on getting you to notice that he's using the same language. And it says this, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Sound familiar? The exact same verse. And then it says this, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. Again, same. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. You see the exact same language. Then we get to verse 10. And all that generation who were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Let me read that again. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. That means that within two generations of Moses, Moses walking with the people, receiving the Ten Commandments, watching the miracles happen as a collective community, being led by a cloud during the day and a fire at night. After all of that, a whole generation grew up who had no knowledge of God or what he had done for Israel. And you might ask yourself, how is that even possible? How do you go from complete devotion to being completely unaware? Maybe another way to ask it is, How could we, as fathers and mothers and leaders and community members, live life today faithfully for God, and then our kids or our grandkids grew up not even being aware of Him? And that's crazy to think of, and yet it was evident that it happened. Look at the stories of judges where again and again and again the people walk away from God. Well, let me suggest just a few ways to maybe avoid this potential reality. If we want to share those stories that you heard a few minutes ago and pass those on to the next generation of people who will also follow God, let me suggest three ways to kind of avoid that reality. The first one is to make the presence of a God a reality in your life. We're in this series, Practicing the Presence of God. If you want to 
share that with others, pass that on to the next generation. You've got to make the presence of God a reality in your life. You need to model it. You need to follow Jesus. You need to have your life consumed by the Spirit. You need to have a faith that is attractive to other people around you. See, my dad did not sing for anyone else other than God. He was being completely and fully genuine. And we must make that kind of same pursuit of the presence of God a reality in our lives. Number two, live in community. I really believe that being consistently around people that pursue the presence of God is an incredibly vital element of passing on faith. So being an invested member in the community of faith, engaging in it, challenging your friends and your small group and and even members of the larger Church of New Community to be present as often as possible in each other's lives. I honestly believe this has a profound impact. See, the truth is that myself and Shannon um, cannot be the voice for our children alone. We absolutely need community. I was talking uh, just yesterday with my son, Jack, who turns 18 or turned 18. Uh, He's on his way off to college this fall. And he just told me yesterday about an amazing conversation he had with his young life leader. Uh, They went on a walk. They talked about relationships. They talked about challenges. They talked about how to walk through this season of life, trusting God. And it was amazing. And there's part of you that could be somewhat jealous and go, man, I wish you would have had that conversation with me. I wish that we could have walked for a half hour. And But no, it's not the way I saw it. The way I saw it is, man, how do I continue to get people that love the Lord and want so badly for my kids to follow him, to walk, to be invested? I know that when uh, Evie... Our 10-year-old gets dropped off to play at a friend's house. The hope isn't that she just has a good time. The hope is that she sees the community that we share life with, that she sees the way that others interact with one another, the ways that they love one another, that she's challenged by the the, the parents that she's in presence with, to be respectful and loving. I I hope that, that she would be aware that God is present in that space as much as he is in any other space. See, I don't think we can raise our kids alone. And I even find myself when we're with others' kids trying to engage with them, talk about life, talk about faith, talk about what it's like to have fun. And the hope is that as you build a relationship that they realize that they're not on the journey of faith alone, that it's not just their family that's invested in them, that there are others there, that we're encouraging them in the journey. And this is true from an adult to a kid to an adult to adult, that when we live in community, what we are sharing is vital to passing on a legacy of faith from generation to generation. Let me give you one other way that comes to mind when I think of this idea. And that is to let people in on why you do what you do. Sometimes we live life in a way where we just have actions, 
have intentions, but rarely do people understand the motives and the desires and the values behind the decisions we make. And part of me wonders if the reason this generation grew up and did not know God or what he had done for them is the fact that the parents or the leaders in some way or another carried on with the actions but never explained the reasoning behind them. So maybe they practiced Sabbath. Maybe they practiced the feasts of the people of Israel. Maybe they set aside a day of the week to enjoy God, to rest, to cease production and creativity, but maybe they never explained why they did it. Maybe when the rest of the world was continuing to work, continuing to make money, continuing to be active, they took a different posture, but never explained what motivated them to do so. Here's another one. Think about, have you ever explained to your friends Have you ever explained to your kids or to someone else why you give away a significant portion of your income to the church or to other ministries? See, when my kids occasionally, I'll catch them saying something along the lines of, oh man, that'd be really great if we could get that, but we can't afford it. And what I have to do is remind them in that moment that no, it's possible that we could have afforded it, but we've chosen not to afford it. Because by not affording it, it enables us to give to something else. See, I think kids and friends and coworkers and others that you value need to know the reasoning behind what you do, because then they can see the significance of God calling you into it. But too often, we just go about our actions hoping that things are, are just caught And I think if we take a little bit more time and think about ways in which we can not just have them catch it, but also teach it, not just embody it, but also remind them of why we do it. Because I know I need to be reminded. And when I see someone else act out in faith in a beautiful way, I want to be reminded why that is being done. What is the motivation and the intention behind it? I need to also lean into what Deuteronomy 6 speaks of, and that is the idea to teach these ideas, these desires, these values, these loves. Teach them to my children. When I rise, the text says, and when I lie down, maybe when I travel and when I eat and when I walk. And maybe we need to teach them when we walk through a pandemic or when we lose a job or when we deal with loss, or we have a health problem. And whatever I'm doing or experiencing, all of it is a moment to capture. It's something that can be empowered, I believe, to impact another. So may we be a community that shares the legacy of faith passed on from one person to the next. May we share it with friends. May we share it with family And may we pass it to the generations to come. That's my prayer. That's my hope. Hope you have a fantastic Father's Day and a wonderful week. Love you, new community. New community, would you join us in a benediction? As you carry on with your day, remember this. 
Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we are sons and daughters of God. We have been adopted into His family. God is our Father. And as God's children, we are His heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. So go in peace and confidence today, knowing that the love of God, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Spirit goes with us. We pray this in the name of our Father. Amen.